Hey, I want to welcome you to our worship and weekend experience, and I'm so glad that you're here to be a part of what God is doing. And, you know, if you ever get a chance, we would love to have you come and be part of our live gathering because there's something unique that happens when we come together. I'm really glad you're able to join us online. I'm really glad that you're able to watch from your home or your phone or whatever it might be. It might be for you, but there's something about coming together that's powerful. So Sunday mornings at 9 and 1030, love to have you come and uh, be a part of this. Don't forget there's resources down below, things you can check out online, things you can check out from our app, as well as the different ways and opportunities you have to give your tithes and offerings. So I hope you'll check that, uh, check that out. Also, you'll see down below there's a subscribe button. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. It'll keep you informed of anything that we uh, we post online new videos, new weekend stuff that's going on. So if you hit that, you'll always be uh, kind of first to know in that. Well, I know for many people, maybe you, you've through this past year and a half, uh, trying to find uh, a place and maybe you've visited several churches. I know some of you watch uh, multiple churches and multiple pastors and multiple messages. And we think that's fantastic. The, the more the merrier, you can get so much from that. But if you've been looking for a church family, that faith forever family, we just want to say welcome home and that we're glad you're here with us as we worship together this weekend. Well, we're going to jump into the message, and uh, we have been in this series called RE. Uh, this is actually the third week in this series. In the first two weeks, uh, we take this prefix RE, which, which really just means uh, again or to come back. And we've used it uh, around these two words from the Bible, the word remember and the power in remembering and seeing what God has done in the past and how it impacts my faith for today and my hope for tomorrow. And then last week, we, we looked at this challenging word, the word repent. And if you didn't watch that, and some of you are thinking, I don't, Dave, I don't know if I want to watch that. That's just an, uh, a heavy, it seems like an angry word. I hope that you'll go back and watch it because I think what you may find is God's invitation into something better, into something more. And it is not an angry, finger-pointing, condemning word. It is this, is this move towards a, a brand new life and a brand new path in Him. So make sure you check that uh, out. But today we're going to look at this word, remain. Remain. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Apostle Paul, he writes this. He says, but you must remain faithful to the things that you've been taught. You know that they are true, for you know that you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they've given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. He says, but you, I want you to remain faithful, to remain faithful. Now, what does remain mean? Now, we probably all have a definition in our mind, but here's, here's the definition. It means to be a part that is not destroyed, not taken, or not used up. So if you think of, you know, you have something and, and stuff got taken, used up, destroyed, whatever it might be, but there's something left over, that's the remain. But it also means to stay in the same place, kind of to remain where you are, or to, to be with the same person, to remain in a relationship. Now, 
I know that sometimes we think of remains as like the crumbles and the dust that's left over in the bottom of a bag of cookies or uh, a box of crackers or something. It's the leftovers. It's the pieces that, that nobody really cares about and nobody really wants. But that's not really the intent when the Bible uses this word remain. I, I think the definition that I read gives a really good perspective. It's a part not destroyed, not used up, or to stay in the same place. You might even say that, that this word remain has more to do with being steadfast and secure. So steadfast was, was my grandpa's word. People uh, said that he could be really stubborn, but he said, nope, I'm steadfast. He was unmovable and he was unshakable. He, he kind of built his life on a firm foundation. And that gives you a little different picture, doesn't it? Remember those old Chevy truck commercials? And they would show the truck, you know, always like with, they'd always drop some huge load in the bed, you know, and then that Chevy commercial said, like a rock. Now, don't get all bent out of shape if you're a Ford person or a Dodge fan. Okay, just, just roll with it and try to catch what I'm trying to say here. But this remain is, is about kind of solidity. It's, it's about being faithful when we're weary. It's about being steadfast when we're under attack. It's about holding on when everything else is going sideways. It's about trusting Jesus no matter what circumstances look like. And we're encouraged and challenged and invited to remain, 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 to stay strong and to stay steady. A few years ago, uh, I was doing some workout in the backyard of our house. And we had had this uh, structure that was there. And so we had this concrete footing that was in the ground. Now, if you're not sure what a footing is, it's, it's usually under the dirt, but it's, it's where if you have a post or a pole and you pour a big area of concrete to make sure that it stays in place. And this big chunk of concrete in the ground was probably, probably a couple feet wide by probably three feet long and probably a two or three feet deep and it was huge and it probably weighed four or five hundred pounds and I had dug all around it to kind of free it up but I needed to get it out of the ground and to and to take it away and it was just like how am I going to get this thing out so I gathered a few friends to come and help me move this big giant chunk of concrete and just an FYI um, they don't consider me a friend anymore because I asked them to come and move this big chunk of concrete. But it was, it was heavy. And one of the guys that, that I invited over to help me with this is a guy named Hakima. And uh, some of you may know Hakima. He lives in Hawaii now. But this dude is, he is so stinking strong. I mean, he just his shoulders and his biceps and his chest, he's just huge, which is one of the reasons why I called him. Now, I may not have it here, but I have it here. That's why I call someone like Hakima. And so we got around, you know, this small, there's a few of us, we got around this big chunk of concrete and it was awkward and we're trying to find a handhold on it. And Hakima grabbed this thing and he is pulling it out of the hole, like by himself. And we're kind of helping a little bit, but most of all, we're just 
like shocked because he's doing this whole thing. And he gets it up and he gets it up out of the hole. And, and he says, hang on, guys. He says, he says, I need you to help me out a second. And so we all step in and we're trying to grab it, but it, like we can barely carry it together. And he said, I need to get a new grip. And so he kind of lets go and spits in his hands and he comes back and he takes this thing. And while we're huffing and puffing just to hang on to it for a second, he shifts his hands and he shifts his body and he gets this new grip. And he pretty much single-handedly carried this thing and put it in the back of my truck. It It was unbelievable. This guy is so strong. But he took a firm grip and he wouldn't let go. Even when it was slipping a little bit, even when it was awkward, even though it is so heavy and hard, he just got a new grip and he held on. That's the unmovable, unshakable, remaining to the end that the Bible talks about. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says this, so take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees and mark out a straight path for your feet. Some of you I know are, are just, you're carrying so much right now. This has been a tough season and it's been hard. And you feel like things are slipping and you feel like you just can't go on. And the writer of Hebrews says, listen, take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. And can I tell you, th- this is not about you being somehow a superhero and overcoming all of your challenges. It's about taking a new grip onto God. It's allowing his strength to allow you to stand. It's about remaining faithful. And I'm telling you, this is a huge issue today because it's tough to be steadfast. It's tough to be faithful when the mortgage is due, the rent is due, the car payment is due, and cash is tight, and, and maybe job, maybe your job is just kind of dried up. Maybe, maybe you've lost it during this COVID season. It's tough to be strong, and it's tough to, to be steadfast when relationships are challenging, when so many are going through a divorce or a separation or the family just kind of breaking up and walking away. It's tough to be unshakable trusting God when life is scary and rough and uncertain. So what do we do? Well, we just read it. We take a new grip with tired hands. We look to Jesus to find strength and we remain. We remain. We We remain in place, not to be destroyed or used up as that definition goes. So where is it that we can stand? Where is it that we can remain faithful? So I'm going to give you a few things and I want you to write these down. The first is this, remain faithful in prayer. Remain faithful in prayer. So I want to read you what uh, what Jesus said in John 15. He said, if you make yourselves at home with me, and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. Now that's from the message translation. Some of you probably know the the classic version of that where Jesus says this, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, 
then ask. Come to me in prayer, God says. And I will tell you, there is no area of life where the Bible encourages perseverance and, and this remaining faithful more strongly than in this area of, of prayer. And I know we often get discouraged or bored or distracted or guilty. Sometimes we just give up and we just think, what's, what's the use? And so we just stop coming to God. And when I talk about prayer, I'm not necessarily talking about on your knees, folding your hands or, or, or that, but it's simply coming to God kind of building that relationship with him. Bring those requests, bring your heart, bring your thanksgiving, bring all of those things to God. And so the Bible constantly says, whatever else you do, whatever else you don't do, don't stop praying. Paul wrote this in Ephesians 6. He said, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers elsewhere. I'm, I'm going to put our words into this, our, 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 our re-words for this. When he says, stay alert and remain faithful in your prayer. Th- this challenge from Paul almost has like a DEFCON 1 feel to it, doesn't it? It's like pray in a state of boldness, in a state of confidence, even when your circumstances are intimidating, intimidating and, and, and overwhelming. Just keep praying. And I'll tell you, all through the New Testament, we see Christ followers who asked and asked and kept coming and asking God again and again, and God responds. And we see through Scripture the the world and communities and, and lives changed and transformed. So here's the question to those of you who call New Life home. What if we were to spend this next season asking and asking and asking again for God to make his presence known. And we got bold and we started praying for big things from God, not for our own glory, not to pat ourselves on the back, not so that we can, you know, count attendance or do anything. But I mean, we really came to God with the things that matter. What do you think would happen? How would God respond in that? What if we spent this next season asking God to spread his good news, the good news of hope and life through this place, through this family, more powerfully than it's ever happened before? And he did it. What if we prayed that we could know him more and experience him more fully? And it happened. What if every single one of us prayed, God, let me be your light that shines everywhere I go. What if every single one of us prayed, God, I'm praying for one person who doesn't know you to come to you in this season. What if we all prayed that and God responded? Who who wouldn't want to have a season like that? Who wouldn't want to live in the joy and the reality of that? Who wouldn't want to be a part of of a church and a faith family like that? I'm telling you, we can pray those prayers. And I'm hoping that we will pray those prayers because I believe that God is up to something. As much as the news that we, that we see and that we read, is, as much as what's going on in our communities and our state and our country and our world, and it's so easy to get discouraged and throw up our hands and go, I, 
I, I don't even know what to do. We come back to God and we pray because God isn't taken by surprise. God isn't wringing his hands going, oh, I didn't see that coming. He's saying, come to me, bring your requests. So why is it so critical for us to remain faithful and persistent in prayer? It's because he hears us. He knows us. And he wants that connection and relationship with, with us. I'm telling you, when you begin to kind of take your first steps into this and you begin to see and embrace all that God has, it's, it's staggering. And all throughout the Bible, the church is challenged to be confident and devoted to prayer to know that prayer changes things. And because of prayer, those who are timid about sharing good news could be made bold. Could be made bold. I'm going to ask you to, to take your Bible, and if you need to pause this online, pause it. Find you know, your phone. You can get a digital Bible on there or, or bring out a physical Bible. And I want you to turn to the very last book of the Bible. It's the book of Revelation. Now, we tend to think of Revelation as a book about what is to come and the end of all things and Christ coming back, and it is. But there's so much in there that is powerful for us today, not just to know a someday, but to experience something true today. So if you find the book of Revelation, turn to chapter 8, and I want to show you how seriously God takes prayer. Now, this, this is an amazing passage, and let me just set it up for you really quick. So what's going on here in Revelation is the account, what we're going to read right now, is the account of the seven scrolls. And I'm not going to go into the history and the, the meaning of all of that. But on these scrolls, the seals, the, the kind of sealant for it, has been broken on these scrolls. And as, as they undo each of these scrolls one at a time, and you can read it in the previous chapters, uh, different things happen that are kind of unleashed on, on earth and in heaven. And as they undo these rolls, they tell the story of sin and of violence and of destruction. And the scrolls tell of God's judgment and more. And in Revelation chapter 8, in these first verses one through four, something happens. And that's what we're going to read. So follow with me, starting at verse one. It says, when the lamb, that's Jesus, broke the seventh seal on the scroll, there was silence throughout heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and they were given seven trumpets. And then another angel with a gold incense burner came and stood at the altar and a great amount of incense was given to him to mix, listen to this, with the prayers of God's people as an offering on the gold altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense mixed with the prayers of God's holy people ascended up to God from the altar where the angel had poured them out. Now, here's what the writer, and it was John, is talking about in this language with a lot of imagery. And as you read through that, you may think, well, what do these things mean? And the incense burner and the seals and the trumpets and all that. And, and that's for another time. But, but here's, here's what I want you to catch. Usually, here's how we think. We think that things on earth get interrupted because of actions that are taking place in heaven, right? We think something happens in heaven and then it affects the earth. In fact, you read it in these previous scrolls that are, that, are, that are undone. But in this scene, 
everything is reversed. Heaven comes to a silent standstill. And if you read anything else about heaven, you know that there are these songs and praises that the, that the angels bring that, that go on 24-7, 365, even though 24-7, 365 doesn't exist in heaven. But basically they're going on all the time saying that God is worthy and great and it's this worship to our God. And suddenly for this short span of time, it's all stopped. Why? So that the prayers of the saints, God's people, like you and me, prayers like yours and mine, every single one of them can rise before God. Are you catching how dramatic this is? That our prayers are heard, that our prayers matter, that, that prayers interrupt heaven and prayer changes what is possible. This remaining faithful thing that we've been talking about is to ask God for anything, to pray, to come to him. We can, we can do that uninhibited, full of assurance and full of freedom. I think there are so many people who, who know and believe in God, they, they don't feel that they have this privilege, this invitation it's like they have to get everything right before they can ask God for something, the right setting, the right time, the right place. But the Bible says it doesn't matter when or where, why or how, but the followers of Jesus Christ can come confidently to God. The second thing is this, remain faithful in moving one step closer to Jesus. Remain faithful in moving one step closer to Jesus. In John 15, Jesus said this, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. So remain, there's that word, in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Jesus is saying, when you obey when you keep moving closer to him in trust and in faith and in obedience, you are remaining faithful. Now, this is not about sinless perfection in our lives, but he's inviting us to move close and to stay close to him. And I'm telling you, when we come to know and follow Jesus, there is a transformation, a new beginning, a new birth that takes place. And a person reborn of God is now alive spiritually. You can't just live the old way and the old life anymore. Now, we wrestle with that, and sometimes we do. But he's saying that's not who you are anymore. And I, I know there's a temptation, and we stumble and fall at times, but, but God has done something new in us. And, and let me just tell, don't, don't take this one lightly. When you come to know Jesus Christ, you are not the same anymore. You may feel the same. You may look and go, I look in the mirror and it's like, I'm the same old person, but you're not. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is at work in you, giving you strength and power, that he is remaking you and giving you a new identity. You have been made new. Now, I can think back years ago when our oldest, Hannah, was born. And I was right there, saw her being born, held her, as she, in just those first minutes of her life. And I remember looking at her in this dawning realization 
that life as I knew it was forever changed. It was never going to be the same again because of this little girl. And I, in fact, in that moment had had my identity changed. I was a dad now. And regardless of what else happened, that new identity was true about me. I remember when my grandson was born and it was like another one of those moments that life had changed, that who I was was now forever different, that I wasn't just a dad and I wasn't just a husband. I wasn't just uh, a son and a pastor, you know, all these other things. I was now a papa. I was a grandpa. And, and there was a new responsibility and a new love that I had in my life. And I'm telling you, we go through situations in life, even if you've never experienced those, that you realize life will never be the same again. It happens at graduations. It happens when you, when you finish, you know, that senior year or, or college, whatever, and you go, uh, life's different now. It, it happens when you go to a wedding and you realize it's not the same anymore. It happens at funerals, the beginnings of new jobs, and when we take steps of faith. And in the same way, when you come to Christ, your identity, who you are at the core, has been made new. The Bible even says that we've gone from death to life. We've gone from darkness to light. Something is different because of Christ and the old labels and the old identity no longer applies. And when we come to God, when we come to Christ, we're now kept secure by our heavenly father because we are in him, guarded and loved. And this secure hold gives us space to grow and room to mature spiritually. And we will never reach a point in our spiritual journey when we arrive and we no longer need to take another step. So we remain faithful in it. The third one is this, remain faithful to the truth. Remain faithful to the truth. In 1 John uh, chapter 2, I'm going to kind of put two sections together here. But, but here's, here's what he writes. He said, but you are not like that for the Holy One has given you his spirit and all of you know the truth. So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life that he promised to us. John uses this phrase, you know the truth. And what he's describing here is the reality that we can know for sure. That there is an understanding that by his spirit and by his word that he gives to us. Now, what is it that we can know for sure as truth? Well, we can know for sure that in Christ, we are God's children. And when we place our trust in Christ Jesus for our salvation, that God adopts us into his family, that, that's the truth. We can also know for sure that the whole world is, is in upheaval because of, of our enemy and because our sin. And, be, and it's no wonder there are things like war and crime and theft and greed and pornography and anger and racism and hatred and division. And we see all of these things. And the list goes on and on and on. This is what the enemy thrives on. And Jesus told us that our enemy, he actually comes to steal and kill and destroy. And Paul told us that we are in a spiritual battle. And there's this part of us that goes, I see it. That's true. But we also know for sure that God's son came to bring us salvation from our sins and to give us understanding. 
so that we're not left with hunches and guesses about our Heavenly Father and His ways. Jesus came so that we could understand the truth about our lives, about our relationships and marriages, about our careers and our work, about our education, uh, about our friendships, our decisions, our church, our community, and our world. He even revealed to us the, the truth about our inner life, about our inner self, about our very souls. And we see it through the lens of God's truth. And we see things the way God sees them because he is truth. And since God is true, we stand in relationship with that truth. Now, how do we remain faithful to the truth? Well, I think the answer is, is that we immerse ourselves in that truth. And how do we do that? Well, we go to God's word. We go to the Bible. And we understand that these are his words. This is his message of truth and life to us. But it's not all we have. We also have his spirit, which is the one who reveals all truth to us. And that's what we need in order to know God, to walk with God, and to follow him. The last thing is this, to remain faithful in my heart. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to 1 John, which is just, if you're still in Revelation there, you're just backing up just a little bit. There's 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. So go to 1st John. And, and I'm telling you, the end of this first letter, 1st John, is weird. Okay, I'm just going to tell you that. I'm not being disrespectful or anything like that. It's just odd because it ends just abruptly. It's just a, it's just a odd ending. It, it's almost like at the end, John was writing and then someone said, John, dinner. And he went, okay. And he just, he just left and walked. It feels like that. Or his pen ran out of ink and he's just like, oh, well, let's just end it there. He doesn't end with a final greeting. He doesn't end with an expression of affection, which a lot of letters are, you know, to, my, to, to this dear person and this dear person and, you know, a blessing even. It just ends odd. So here's what it says. This is the very end of 1 John. It's chapter 5, verse 21. He says, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. And then it's like, mic drop, boom, I'm out. But it's like he didn't even have time to write, boom, I'm out. It just ends right there. Now, some versions uh, don't say keep away from anything, but they actually reflect a little bit more of the original language where it says, but keep away from idols. But he's talking about the same thing. We read, keep away from anything that may take God's place, but that's what idolatry is. is something that we choose to worship instead of the one true God. But I'll be honest, I don't know why it ends so abruptly. But even though it's odd, it's powerful because if there's something that's going to keep a person from life, from true life in God, it's idols. It's having Jesus, but then choosing to put something else like career or family or money or popularity or pleasure or whatever it might be in front of and above Jesus. And John would say, hey guys, that's the way you lose the very life that you have. And when John says to make sure these things don't take, take God's place in your heart, he's saying this is something that you have to decide. It's something that only you can do for yourself. 
Your parents can't make that decision. Your spouse can't make that decision. Your church can't make that decision. I can't make that decision for you. But each of us have to decide who's going to have the affections of your life. Who's going to have your heart. You know, when you think about idols, the, the issue is really one of remaining faithful. You can read about it all through the Old Testament when, when they walked away from God and chose other idols, faithfulness and remaining in that faithfulness just went out the door. But when we come to Christ personally, we enter into a relationship of faithfulness where he promises to remain with us, to walk with us, to forgive us, to cleanse us. And he invites us in turn to remain in him, to obey him and to trust him. And when we embrace a God substitute, we're unfaithful to that promise, like a spouse who breaks a marriage vow. God invites us to remain in him, and he knows that there's difficulty and temptation. He knows that we live in a world where our enemy is working overtime to derail us. But here's what he says in John 15. This is Jesus. He said, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, I want you to know that you have life in me. Not just eternal life, though you do have that, but life right here, right now. You can be set free. You can walk in truth. As you remain in him and he in you, you can remain steadfast and unmovable, faithful in prayer, faithful in trust, faithful in truth and faithful in the affections of your heart. As we end our time uh, together, uh, I want you to go and prepare some communion. Uh, so if you want to pause this right now, go ahead and find some bread or a cracker, find some juice or wine, and uh, go ahead and just pause right now and go do that. And then when you're ready, uh, hit play again. Well, hey, I'm glad you're back as we have this final moment together to remember God's faithfulness, to remember what Jesus has done for us in remaining steadfast and true and for us. And we do this on a regular basis here at New Life where we take the bread and we take the cup and we remember what Christ has done. So when Jesus gathered with his disciples uh, just hours before he was arrested and taken to be crucified. They gathered around this table and he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that's broken for you. Think of God's truth in that. Think of Christ's faithfulness, him remaining faithful, that his sacrifice sets us free. Let's break and eat together. Then Jesus took the cup and he blessed it and said, this is the blood of a new covenant, a new relationship between God and man, bloodshed for the forgiveness of sin. Let's drink together. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you so much that you have shown us what remaining faithful really is that you don't waver, that you don't walk away, that you are steadfast and true towards us, that even when we stumble and even when we fall and when we sin and when we make mistakes, 
It doesn't change your love and your grace towards us. It doesn't change your, your favor and your kindness towards us. You remain faithful. And Lord, I, I pray today, every person who's watching this, listening to this, responding to this, that God, our, our decision and our choice would be that in your strength and your power, that we would remain in you, that you in us, and we would remain faithful. Jesus, teach us to pray and invite us to, to seek you and pray. Lord, I pray that we would continue to take that step closer to you and grow in our faith, that we would hold on to your truth and remain faithful. And God, that, that you would have the affections of our heart, that we wouldn't be tossed here and there, but God, we would have our hearts primar primary, first and foremost for you that nothing would take your place, that we would allow no other thing to rise to that. But Lord, we would love and commit and remain faithful to you no matter what. God, we thank you and we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I want to thank you for joining us for uh, our, our weekend experience, a chance to worship together, to dive into God's word together. And know this, that I'm praying for you, that even through this week and this season, that you'd be bold in your prayers. You'd ask God to be at work in you, changing your heart, and that you would remain faithful in prayer again and again and again, and watch God do great things. Hey, have a great week.